Well, all right, we're going to be in about 4,000 different verses today, uh, but the first one we're going to be in is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, so if you'd like to turn to a specific spot, that would be a great place to start. Uh, for all you people who are willing to take the one row up move, look at all the people that you were allowed to sit behind you now. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. You've done something nice today and you didn't even mean to. And so... Man, as we come to the end of uh, 2019, uh, it's, it's easy, at least for some I think, it's easy in the days between Christmas and New Year's to kind of take a collective breath, right? Uh, you're, you're not as hectic uh, as you have been the last couple of weeks. Uh, things have slowed down. Uh, you still have to put up with your kids for at least one more week. Uh, before you send them to school again, and uh, and, and I think uh, we start. I, I like this time of year because what it does is it is it gives us these days to reflect. I don't know if this is what you do, but this is what I do. I like to take these days uh, and and just reflect on the year that was, uh, and then kind of take that into uh, the year that I kind of hope twenty twenty will be, and not in the sense of, boy, I really wish I'd have won the lottery in 19, hope I win it in 2020. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these moments that you've had where you say, okay, um, in areas of growth, where have I grown? Uh, in areas of growth, where have I not grown really much at all? Uh, in the circumstances of my life, how have I engaged uh, them? How have I handled them? What am, what am I proud of that uh, I've been a part of? What am I not proud of that I've been a part of? And I, and I love this time of year because it forces my heart to settle in and to pay attention to God speaking. Uh, not that that's something that you try not to do all the remainder of the year, but this time gives us, I think, the best opportunity all year uh, to do that. And, and I, I tend to think uh, we, we always talk about New Year's resolutions. Anybody Has anybody been thinking of resolutions at all? No, we've just all collectively given up. This is as good as it's going to get in life, right? Uh, you're like, well, I tried last year and I didn't really want to do it. And, uh, and I think mainly because um, I, I, I tend to believe that anytime there's a change that I feel I need to make in my life, uh, the urgency uh, tends to be to make it immediately, uh, that if I say, okay, well, I'm saving that up for 2020, it's just a good indication that I really don't care about it. Uh, that, that I'm trying to impress you by saying, hey, I want to eat healthier. Uh, but really, I have no intention uh, at 9 o'clock at night to not eat peanut M&Ms. Okay? You know, that's, that's typically the way resolutions work. And we play this game every day. That, hey, I want to get better. I want to get better. But, but really, if, if we want to change, we should change. And... And I think this doesn't discredit uh, this time of year that we reflect and on some things that we hope to do and where we hope to go. But I think it's, it's helpful to understand that, that all the, the categories in our lives that we try to keep separated are never separated. Uh, every category of your life is connected because of you. Uh, and and so, so, so your physical health is connected to your emotional health and that's connected to your relational health, right? I mean, have we ever... You ever had a bad day and you've been in a bad mood and you say, well, I'd like to go work out? No, you don't. Um, you say, I've had a bad day, therefore I shall sit here and wallow in my self-pity. 
um, and I shall eat ice cream. Uh, that's my reward for having a bad day. And and I think what, what we forget uh, is is the power of our spiritual lives as it's connected to our physical and our emotional and our relational health. And uh, we can spend hours trying to make resolutions and we can try to combat unhealthy patterns while, while never really uh, seeing that the unhealthy habit or pattern that's been established in our lives is really connected to, at times, our sinfulness, uh, at times, our our apathy, at times, our, our laziness. And, and, and so, for instance... It, if you say, okay, well, this in 2020, I want to be a more positive person, uh, there's, there's a really good chance that you've spent too much time focused on you and not seeing what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. That, that in itself is enough reason to be positive and hopeful. Uh, if, you, if you want to spend less time in conflict with people, there's, there's a good chance that, that, there are, that you've refused... Uh, to not include God uh, by by heeding to His instructions in His Word about doing everything in love and living peace, peaceably uh, as far as it concerns you. Uh, if you if you want to finally get your debt under control, there's a, there's a good chance you haven't included God in your spending, right? Uh, there's there's a chance that uh, that you haven't asked Him to refine your taste and to take steps in obedience over giving or simply just ignoring instructions found in the Word about, hey, have self-control uh, or, or simply uh, paying attention to the Proverbs that talk about spending and saving. And, or maybe, maybe you say, okay, I want to get in better physical shape and, and I think there's a good chance that you've ignored biblical principles about discipline or, or warnings surrounding laziness and properly understanding that, that there really are no shortcuts to life change. And it dawns on me that that's really what we think about when we think of resolutions. We want very quick, very immediate results in short-term changes. Uh, but if you're talking about changing your life, you have to understand there are no shortcuts. And so that you have to come in at times and say, okay, I'm going to have to do the hard stuff, right? That's a, that's a phrase we use in our house all the time when things are difficult. We're like, hey, don't be afraid to do the hard stuff. And my kids always look at me like I'm giving them the worst bit of advice they've ever heard. But one day, prayerfully, they will look at me and say, or at least I'll hear them say to their kids, hey, don't be afraid to do the hard stuff because it's exactly the case. And and, or perhaps maybe this, maybe, maybe you want to see God move through you and around you and in you more than he did this year. And I, I think there's a good chance that perhaps you haven't been examining your heart. The Bible comes in consistently and says, be aware of what's going on in your heart. Because it directs all the paths of your life. And, and so, uh, if, that's, if that's you... Um, I think we need to realize something important that that most of the changes we want to make our lives are symptomatic of a deeper issue. Uh, and my contention this morning is going to be that, that our issue is we haven't examined what is really going on here. In fact, Paul in 2 Corinthians 
takes this a step further and he's going to state that, that our examination should help us see if we have faith in Jesus or we are just walking in having this idea of having faith in him. That bottom line, because of our lives in Jesus, our lives should look different. Uh, they should look very different from the rest of the world. And so, so our manner of living should be different. Our hope should be deeper and our love should be stronger than those uh, living without hope and not experiencing the love of God. And so, Alan, here we go. In Second Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verse 5, Paul comes in and he says, Examine who? Yourselves. Okay. So maybe that's part of our issue right there. We like to examine other people. We rarely want to examine ourselves, but we don't, we're not awarded that today, are we? Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize that this is, uh, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? This is what Paul is telling you. That Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And I hope you'll find out that we have not failed the test. So here, here's the beauty of these verses. That Paul tells us that those who are walking in the light of, gospel, of the gospel, those who have asked Jesus to be both Lord and Savior and believe Jesus is who he says he is, he's done what he has said he would do, that the result of that faith is that Jesus lives in you. More specifically, we're talking about the Holy Spirit indwelling uh, inside you. But the thrust of the passage is, is that it's helpful to examine yourselves to see if that claim about Jesus is, is found to be true in your life or not. And, and so is, is Jesus having an effect on your manner of living, wherein, uh, in, wherein your physical and relational, emotional, spiritual life is Christ reigning and moving. I think these are much more important questions than uh, most of the things that we tend to want to change uh, when it comes to this time of year. That, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to just lay some groundwork. All right, we're, we're going to leave this very open-ended uh, because you're going to have to do some hard work over these next couple of days. And what I hope to do is give you just some groundwork in which to do that in. Um, some ways to evaluate and examine your life. And now for some of us, we're going to be brought to the edge and we're going to have to make some choices. Uh, and some of those choices are going to lead us to confession and repentance. Uh, for some of us, we're going to be able to spend some time with God these next couple of days and we're going to hear Him speak some things into our lives prayerfully that will just light us up, that will start to change the way we see uh, circumstances, will start to change the way we interact with people. Uh, and I think for some that that you're going to realize where you currently are at with God and some are going to be excited and some are going to be disappointed. And we've, we've said this the last couple of weeks that, that it's, it's good to at least know where you're at um, because you're never going to get anywhere without knowing where you're starting from. Uh, and, and so, uh, and, and I'll say this, that, that the only way we get the full effect of the work that we're starting today is if you spend time this week in conversation with God over these areas of your life. Okay? Now, I know some of us, our tendency is, well, I don't expect, I come to church not expecting homework. Right? But, but 
but you will not get the full effect of what we're trying to, to talk about together as a church today um, if you're unwilling to do that. And so, so what we're going to do, in your talk notes, I'm giving you five areas, and we're going to try to work through this pretty quickly, okay? Five areas of your life that I believe God says you need to consistently be evaluating or examining where you're at. And the first area is this, examine your devotion. Examine your devotion. And, and we start here. We start with devotion uh, because your devotion steers you in the other areas of life that we're going to tackle. That as we talk about faith, if, if there is no or little devotion to God, then these other four areas really won't make much of a difference at all. Uh, they'll just be wishful thinking. And so, so let's let's say for a moment, just for a moment, that you have no devotion to God, or you have very little devotion, and and really your devotion to God is fleeting based on the circumstances of of the moment. And I think if, if you say this, I don't I don't say this to to bring you shame or embarrass you. I just want you to show you where you are on the road. That a person who does not know God has zero allegiance or devotion towards Him. And, and so when it comes to these other areas, our motivations will end up trying to cater to ourselves. Uh, and this, this isn't uh, revealed in selfish activities that necessarily hurt other people. Kind of like uh, if you have a, a three-year-old kid who says, hey, I want that ball, and in order to get that ball, he has to go through another kid, right? And he'll take the ball and he'll shove the kid just to show his dominance. Well, I'm not talking about those activities in our lives because we know we know instinctively when we choose to harm other people we're doing something that's wrong right there's really zero justification for those things Uh, what i'm talking about when it comes to our devotion is these subtle moments where we try to orchestrate all circumstances to cater to the needs of our own desires and if you have no devotion to god your devotion goes somewhere you with me on that that if you have no devotion to God, your devotion's going somewhere. And the Bible tells you, your devotion goes straight to you. You start to work all things out according to your own way. So, 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 but the beauty, the beauty and the call of the gospel is one that says to come and die to ourselves so that others can find the greatest hope that they will ever experience. The greatest joy that they will ever hold and the greatest love that can ever be expressed. And, and so, so apart from Christ, our sin makes us hostile towards God, okay? And, and so, so it literally makes us enemies to God, which is why Him sending Jesus was so incredibly important. Uh, so incredibly, that when our devotion is properly set on Him and His ways as a response, as a response to His incredible love that He has for us, we can, we can attempt wearing words uh, like Paul says in Romans chapter 12, when he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not, do not be conformed to this world, but, uh, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, so here's a couple of questions as we try to examine our devotion. Let's, let's ask them this way. Are you dedicated to Him? Are you dedicated 
to God, and you say, well, yeah, I am. Let's, let's do a follow-up question. Is all you have dedicated to Him? This is, that's the hard line for me. Because I so badly want all of it to be His. So badly do. And yet there are times that I'm like, no, no, no. It turns out I want that part. Or I want that glory. Or I want that moment all for myself. I don't want to share it with anyone. How about this? Is each part of your body committed to God for His service? It's easy at certain times of the year to be very giving. Usually out of abundance, right? I got extra, it's not a big deal. But is, is each part of your body committed to God for His service? And then I think lastly, what is, what is God's good and perfect will for your life? That's a, that's a great question. Right, there's books and books and books written about it, and I think um, I think it's a there's a simpler answer than we tend to think that God's good and perfect will has less to do with the job that you take or the house that you live in or how many kids that you have. That that God's good and perfect will for your life is that you would be found in Christ, and that that out of that you would live for the glory of His name in whatever adventure you are in and wherever the steps you are taking are leading, that you are simply His. That you get to respond and you say, okay, I play a lot of roles in my life, but, but none of them are separated from this, I'm a child of God. So your proclamation of the gospel with your life and your mouth brings Him glory, more glory than even your attendance here on a Sunday morning. Or next week you can say to the people who weren't here, I was there. So we examine our devotion. Number two, we examine our conduct. We examine our, our conduct. And, and I think uh, Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he'll say something like this, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. And, and now that's a, that's a pretty high level, high bar to set. That he says, hey, you guys follow me as I follow Christ. Because uh, there are moments that Paul could walk and people would say, that doesn't look like Jesus. And understand that the walk of all Christianity is simply walking in the footsteps of who Jesus is. Doing the things that he does. Saying the things that he spoke. And so, so when we walk in the light of the gospel, we're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And so the conduct of our lives must, must, must look like Him. And there are moments when we can disconnect from a moment and know when we have done that well, and there are moments when we have done that poorly. Am I, am I the only one that knows that? that? That your conduct matters because one of the easiest things to do in life is, is allow our words to paint a picture for our heart that our feet really has no intention in following. That how we live matters, especially when our mouth says one thing about our love for God and our actions say a different one. So, so here's some good questions to ask when you examine your conduct. That, that number one, how is your home life? How, how are you treating your spouse? How are you treating your children? How about this one? How is your social life? Like, 
when, when people hear that I'm a Christian, is that shocking to them? Are they like, oh, I never thought you would be one of them. Here's a third question. How, how do others view the way you live out your faith? How do they view that? It's a pretty good indication. You say, I don't know if they know what I believe. That's a pretty good indication about your conduct. Number three, examine your influence. Be aware of your influence at all times. Some of the most helpful words that we see about the importance of our devotion for God are, are found when Jesus helps us see that we have a very specific role to play for His glory. And it's found in, in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I was going to say 6, but it's not. It's in 5 lane. Uh, chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the most famous sermons ever preached. Uh, and in it, He talks about this. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, but on a stand. And it, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, now the image of, of soul and light is important because it presses against our greatest needs. That, that we treat salt as, as a flavoring, right? Uh, like if something's too bland, we say, ah, this needs salt, right? But that's not the intention that they had back when Jesus was talking about this. In fact, salt would be placed in um, what we would consider refrigerators, uh, was basically just a hole in the ground with a covering. Uh, people would put their meat in there, and the salt would slow the decay of the meat. And so it would last longer for the family to eat, so you're not having to throw everything out. Um, but that's why he says if, if the salt loses its saltiness, you know, we just, you just throw it out. It's good for absolutely nothing. Uh, and so, so but the, the idea is that um, the salt was used as this agent of, of preservation, that it, that it slows the decay of death, and then the light is used to show where safety is in relation to the things lurking in the darkness trying to ensnare you. And, and so, so your influence matters a great deal. A great deal. Your, your influence in your office means a great deal. Your influence on your team, your influence in your home, your influence with your friends, your influence with strangers, all of that means a great deal because it says something about who you are. And so, so here's some questions to follow that. Is your light shining? Is your light shining? Has it shined in 2019? Do you plan on having it shine in 2020? And then I think a more specific question, because I think you could say, oh yeah, I'm always shining. But asking this more specific question, what are you doing to make the light within you visible? What are you doing? Because I think um, the tendency, if we're not careful, is to always blend in. Because we want to be liked by other people. And for some reason, we think Christianity and the claims of 
Christ can make you appear weird, um, which is not the case. That we're not designed, we're not rescued to blend in. We are a city on a hill. That we are a light to the darkness. And it's not a light that exposes the darkness. I think that's typically where we get the, the issue from. We're like, well, you know, uh, we live in the world of a society where everything has to be tolerant as long as it's uh, in line with what I think, right? And then if it's in line, then I want you to be tolerant of me. But if I have to be tolerant of you, that's a separate issue altogether, right? Um, but, but the, the issue that we face in our world is we say, okay, I, I want to look like everybody else when the Bible says you're, they don't have the hope that you have. They don't, they don't have the light that you have. They don't, they don't have the peace and the joy and the happiness that you have. And so why would you work so hard to try to hide that from them? And so the light shows where the health is. Not the light exposes them in a shameful way. So we examine our, uh, our influence. Fourthly, uh, we examine our love. We examine our love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods, which we do, if you're in this room, I promise you, compared to the rest of the world, you have this world's goods, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does, the, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And, and I firmly believe if the church would get our hearts around verses like this one, that, that we would see the dead come back to life in some of the most incredible ways. In some of the most incredible ways. We would, we would celebrate more. We would argue less. We would promote things that matter. We would ignore things that don't really have any significance if they don't happen. I believe our, our appetites in the church would go less from entertainment to actual life change. And, and the, Now, the argument says, well, those are messy things. And, and I agree, they're absolutely messy. And someone will say, well, that's uncomfortable. And I'm like, yes, absolutely, definitely. That's, that's very uncomfortable. But, but is it how the Word calls us to live? Yes, it's undeniable. It's undeniable. So our love for those inside the church matters. Our love for those outside the church matters. So our love for those living on the fringes and the margins of our lives matter a great deal. So, so how we love in each of these locations say a lot about how we experience the love of God in Jesus, how we put that love on display. And so, so here's some good questions. Uh, do people see your love in your actions and your character? Like, ask this question this week and give, it, give us some thought. When people describe you to others, would they say, they're a loving person. Would, would they say that? And you realize if, if you say, well, they don't, then, then the fault's not their description. The fault's on how you've acted around them. Or how about this? Is my, is my capacity for loving growing? Am I a more loving person than I was yesterday? Am I a more loving person than I was this morning? And striving to grow in that area is so very important. Number five, 
We would examine our, our attitudes. We'd examine, and I always find it interesting. Um, I don't know if, if, if you're a parent, if you, if you do this, um, but I find it interesting when I'm expecting any of my kids to immediately change their attitude uh, at the drop of my command. Right? Like, it dawned on me the other day, I was yelling at Kelly about something, about her attitude, and, and I, I had said something along the lines of, you need to change your attitude, you know? And it's almost as if my expectation is her to be like, done. Love you, you know? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And what I find, I find that interesting because that's, that legitimately is my expectation. And, and it's strange because there are times that I am much, much, much slower when the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Someone was saying it, right? Someone was saying it. You got it? Check yourself before you wreck yourself? Yeah? You good? That's the only thing in his mind now. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, what you're feeling right now is, da- is a danger zone. Because what's boiling here eventually is going to erupt and you've got to be very mindful of those moments. And our attitude changes almost too frequently. You ever been having? Ever, ever been having? Eh, whatever. We're from Hazel. You can, yeah. You, have you ever been in a moment where everything was fine and then all of a sudden it wasn't? And it changes the course of your mouth in your hands, and your actions. And the attitude, I think this is why the Bible speaks so much about being in self-control. That it's a fruit of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit grounds us in a way to say, hey, you don't have to live in these polarizing uh, emotions. That you can be grounded if you are grounded in Christ, that, that our attitudes can, can create or destroy opportunities. Our attitudes can build people up or tear people down. And some of us have been wrestling with our attitudes our whole life. And this is, this is part of you that wants to see better in people. And there's, there's a part of you that wants to forgive or have a more optimistic perspective of the future. But you just don't know if you can get there. And some of us have very legitimate reasons for that. Some of us have experienced very legitimate wounds and circumstances that, that have shaped and defined us. And, and I think some have, will allow those um, experiences to keep us trapped. But I think um, some have said, okay, I'm stronger because of that. And the beauty of the gospel says that all of that is Christ. All that sin, all that pain can be given to Him. And you don't have to ignore it. You don't have to ignore that it didn't exist. What you do is is you don't have to let it define you anymore. Spend some time uh, in the first part of this year going through the book of Ephesians. uh, Because it's it's such an incredible read. It's only like five or six chapters. um, but, But the whole thrust of it is saying here is your identity in Christ the world will define you one way but this is the way Christ defines you that you are you are loved you are a saint you are blessed and it just keeps on going and going and going none of it will say you are rotten you are evil 
that your identity changes with Christ. And so if that's the case, shouldn't our attitudes change with Christ as well? That, that in Christ, you can walk undefeated anymore. Because He's rescued you. He's defeated your greatest enemy. Your attitude will affect your devotion in almost any, more than any of these other areas. And so taking time, like we do with our kids, and hopefully you do this, and you help work through the emotions of that moment. But you include God in that conversation. It's so very helpful. You ever ask your kid, why did you do that? And they say, I don't know. And you're like, whatever. No, no, no. You say, no, 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 no. There's a reason we did that. I don't know it. No, no, no. There's a reason. Let's figure this out together. And usually in my house, it, it always comes down to because I wanted to. You know how it's easy for me to pinpoint that with them? Because it's right here. <laughs> Why'd you do that, Brandon? Really, God, I just wanted to. And at least knowing where you're at is helpful. Because then you can start walking in forgiveness. You can start rebuilding trust, those kind of things. So I think here's some questions to examine um, when, it, when it comes to your attitude. What, what is your attitude towards Christ? John 14, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. Or how about this? What's your attitude towards other people? Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, For you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but, but through love serve one another. What if, what if this year, what if 2020 was spent you going and making peace with those you consider your greatest enemies? That you say, hey, this is going to be the hard part, but we're going to walk into this and we're going to walk through this together. What if, what if 2020 became a year where you said, I'm going to try to give so very freely of my time and my resources, and, and I'm going to try to give my emotional energy to other people? Because isn't that really why we try to withdraw? Because we're like, I, don't, I only have so much emotional energy to give to people. What if it is a living sacrifice? And my bet says this, if you give that away for the glory of God, you will find God filling you up and filling you up, and filling you up so that you can serve more and more and more people. What about this? What's your attitude towards yourself? What's your attitude towards yourself? We, we talked about this in Romans chapter 12, right? That, that we would not be conformed, that we'd be transformed, that we would present our bodies as a living and a holy and acceptable sacrifice to God. And it's hard to do that if you don't like yourself. It's hard to do that if you define yourself by your weakest moments, not, be, not by the Savior that, that died for you and the Spirit that lives in you. And so, so, so what is your attitude towards yourself? And for some of you, the best thing I can give you is to tell you to stop listening to yourself. Stop. 
Open the Word. Find out who you are in Christ. And as you see Him more clearly, you'll find that you have great value, you have great worth, because He died for you. Let's start, let's start wrapping this up. It's 11.32. 11.32, Chris. It's crazy talk. I, I, I think it's a, it's a powerful practice to spend time with God, asking Him to search your heart and to reveal things that are of Him and expose things that are not. I'm not saying it's an easy practice, but I think it's a powerful one. And, and I think this can be difficult because uh, he can bring to the front some wounds that we've never dealt with uh, in, a, in a long time or really ever. Uh, it can be embarrassing because out of his love, he refuses to let you stay where you are today since his desire surrounds your holiness. You understand that? God's desire is your holiness, not necessarily your happiness. But when you live in a holy manner, you will find happiness follows. But it, it's a vital practice if you desire to adventure for the glory of His name. It's vital for our church if, if, this, if we are to grow and thrive in this next year. It matters a great deal. And, and so, so where I thought we would end today is just reading a psalm. And it comes from David. And, and I love it. In fact, I think we were here uh, maybe... Uh, in, in February of this last year. Um, because because it, David's sitting down, and it's like he gets his pen and his paper out, and that's really most of all, all the psalms are. They're just songs that were written to God. And he comes in, and it's as if David, for the very first time, realized something powerful about the bigness of God and about the intimate care that God provides for him. And so I think as we wrap up 2019, here's, here's a, a psalm that I want to gift to you. Not that I owned it. But it's, it's interesting because it's changed over the years. When I used to think that God was watching over me um, because he really only cared about owning me when I did something wrong, I read these words in a completely different way. But over about the last 10 to 15 years, God has been much more intimate with me. He's been much more patient with me. He's been louder with me. He's been more caring with me. His discipline. I see the purpose in it now. And David comes in and he says these words... He says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and, and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. He says, even, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't, I can't attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. 
And if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I, if I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be about me night. Even the darkness, oh God, is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully, I am wonderfully made. Wonderful, wonderful are your works. My, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secretly, uh, secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me all your thoughts, O oh God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are, they are more than the sand. I, I awake. I love this verse. I awake and I am still with you. It's like a dream you don't want to wake up from. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you. With malicious intent, your, your enemies take your name in vain. Do, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And, and, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Now pay attention to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. What a gift this psalm is to us. What a gift. And I love, and I implore you really, I implore you to ask God, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me. Examine me. And then these next few days, do that together. It's not a rush. Like you don't get a prize if you text me tonight, hey, I examined my heart. Am I the first one? Spend some quiet time with the Lord. Spend less time talking about what you want to change in regards to worldly matters and ask Him to examine your heart and then take some time to just respond to Him. The fact that He speaks to us, it's amazing. It's amazing. Our desire this week is that we love God. Bye. Let us pray. Father, we come to You. We are thankful that You care for us, that You speak to us, that You live in us. And as we come to the end of this year, over these next few days, I pray that 
that worship would rise because we we hear your voice. We encounter your embrace. That we would be able to sing an endless hallelujah. That in the circumstances of our lives, the, the ones that are easy and the ones that are difficult, we would be able to look at you and say you are worthy of all praise. So Father, we pray that you would help us examine our devotion and our attitudes and, and our conduct and our love pray we would be able to examine those to see your goodness. It's in Jesus' name we pray.